Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best tools and analysis for fantasy basketball on the internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Like, I'm mad about the team we're going to talk about today. I'm mad. You're I'm never upset. mad, Tyler. You're usually, I'm usually the one. You're taking, you're stepping on my toes. I'm usually the one who's mad on the podcast. What, what are you so mad about about this team? Oh, we are talking about the Portland Trailblazers. I feel like you people already know that, but in case you weren't paying attention. Um, I like the people, I like the listeners. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers who probably do this on patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Um, who just click on the on the podcast, don't even look at the title, and they just listen. And if you're one of those people, then you did not know that we are doing the Portland Trailblazers. So I respect those people more than the people who read titles. Not a big fan of them. So everybody caught on to my man, Damian Lillard. It took this long, Michael. It took this long. You know, after years and years, I've been stealing Damian Lillard on that turn in a 12-team league for what, like the last four, five, six years? And I really miss he rarely misses a game, right? He's always phenomenally good. Gets you the steal. Gets you the 26 points. Gets you the uh, rebounds. Gets you the assists. Gets you the threes. Shoots fairly good percentages. And now everyone has finally caught on, and he is in the middle of the first round. And I am mad about it. I'm mad that everyone got smart. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to swindle anybody else um, from here on out. Damian Lillard last season um just doing the, the, that's the thing though just doing what damian lillard does being super durable um being in probably the one of the premier point guards that you can own in uh fantasy basketball if not like you're saying first round talent uh playing 35 minutes game getting you know 26 points three threes seven assists getting a steal, shooting 91% from the line. Dame Lillard, man. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about him other than he's fantastic. He's only 29 years old. He's in the middle of his prime. And he is definitely 100% uh, a first-round draft pick for me. Yeah, but what I'm mad about isn't it that he's a first-round. He's always been a first-round pick. It's just that everybody would sleep on him. He'd go 11th. He'd go 10th. He'd go 12th. He'd go 13th. And I'd be like, oh, man, I'm getting such a steal here. And now just all the value dried up. Um, I'm still very excited to own him, and I still think I'll own him in a number of my leagues, um, except for those ones where I'm picking on the turn because apparently I'll have to pick somebody else now. You know what? I think if you're playing in casual leagues, you're still going to see uh, you know, six, seven, maybe even eight people go ahead of Damian Lillard. Um, I could see you know LeBron James uh, going ahead of him, Andre Drummond go <clears throat> excuse me, going ahead of him. Um, even Joel Embiid going ahead of him, and uh, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure. I'm uh saving my LeBron take for the Lakers podcast when uh as part of our 30 teams in over 30 days preview. But Dame, I think Dame's still going to slip in that in that first round to the end of the end of the first round. But he's usually like you're saying in the beginning of that second round. Yeah, so give me all give me all the Dame. Um, I am very high on Dame this year. And 
legitimately, I think there's probably only five people I'd pick over Dame. If if, if I was the only person wow. drafting and I was drafting every team, um, I think there's only five people I'd have over Damian Lillard. So, okay, um, I'm I'm let me let me take my best guess. James Harden, obviously. Uh, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Steph Curry. This is a little this is a little secret preview of perhaps my catching's top ten. And I'm gonna go with Carl Anthony Towns as your five. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's my oh, five. Tyler, we might have the same top five. I'm not sure if that's the order I would I would place them in. But I think we might have uh, the same. No, top five we neither there. probably. Me neither, okay. probably, but that's, that's the five. And then, yeah, then I'm going Lillard. I mean, we we have this annual debate, right, Lillard against Jokic, and you know I usually side on the Damian Lillard side of it. Um, it's weird because we're going to be having, like, the same conversation, I think, in the middle. Of, but now it's going to be a conversation that we're having in the middle of the first round instead of the beginning of the second round. So, uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my top six. So, in case anyone was wondering, yeah, um, write that down. A sneak, a sneak preview to our uh, rankings that will be uh, coming out later, the, uh, closer to the season once we uh, get, get a few maybe preseason games under our belt. But we will be talking about we will be doing mock drafts. We will be talking about uh, rankings. We'll be uh, talking about sleepers. We'll be talking about draft strategies. All this stuff coming up as we approach the NBA season, but tonight, Portland Trailblazers. Um, very interesting offseason for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Pro- probably not as interesting as like half the teams, I would say, but still a lot of uh, pieces actually moved off this team, a team that's been really kind of steady uh, in their roster for quite a while due to the fact that they paid a bunch of people a bunch of money that they probably shouldn't have. So we got Al Aminu leaving to go to Orlando, Seth Curry going to Dallas, Mo Harkless, as we talked about in the Clippers podcast, uh, one of our favorites, uh, Mo Harkless uh, leaving Portland as well. Enos Cantor, who uh, briefly uh, had a, a very fun playoff run for the Portland Trailblazers off to Boston. And um, I know uh, Illinois, U of I, Illinois great, My- Myers Leonard traded to uh, to Miami and the uh, the ever hated Evan Turner also uh, he was traded to Portland in June so a lot of kind of normal uh, standard league outside of standard league kind of fringy guys that we focus on on uh, from the Portland Trailblazers they're gone which means there's quite a lot of opening for uh, some of these new players who are coming in we're talking about Kent Bazemore Paul Gasol. Mario Hazonia, and uh, the, kind of the big big name, I guess, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, all all four of those guys coming in to uh, to to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Can I get my question, my my normal last question, out of the way right now, and say like, will everyone stop sleeping on Portland? They're making the playoffs. Like I always see this, you know, every year we see this kind of like Portland hate, where they're like, oh, they're not that good. Oh, they might not even make the playoffs. Blah blah blah. I mean, can we both just agree that Portland is a playoff team in the West? Oh, the uh, the West is a lot better, and I I don't see how the Portland Trailblazers miss the playoffs because they are still 
a, a, a Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum team. Uh, I, I think they're going to be able to handle the fact that uh, Nurkic is going to be injured for uh, a good portion of the season. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to be a playoff team. So let's let's just end that right there. Like Portland's going to be in the playoffs. Um, it was cool to see him mix it up for the first time in what about three years, four years? Like I feel like they've basically ran back that same team. Um, so it's cool to see some some fresh blood on the team and to see there's actually some intrigue, right? Some things to talk about is like who's going to get this spot, who's going to get that spot, um, which we haven't really seen for a couple years in Portland. I completely agree. I think there's some interesting names on here as well. But let's let's just talk about. The elephant in the room, uh, Justif Nurkic, he is going to be, a, you know, terrible, terrible leg fracture in the uh, what was it? The playoffs was it? Or was that right before the playoffs? It was during the playoffs. Uh, it was during the playoffs. Yeah, it was during the playoffs. Uh, Twenty-five years old, really uh, sad because last season he uh, finally really came into his own. He was uh, becoming uh, kind of one of those uh, top-tier big man. Uh, great rebounds, good points, a steal, and over a block a game. And instead, he will be out till probably around February. And I think that makes Nurkic. And you know, unless you're, I don't know, unless you have like a couple IR spots, uh, and you can swing him in the last pick. Even then, I don't know. I don't think he's draftable this year. Oh, I mean, just going off this, right? And and I advocated for, um, you know, last year you heard me advocate a lot for unlimited IR. Like, it's not really your fault that people get hurt. So I think in some leagues, you know, maybe unlimited IR is the way to go. Um, obviously, it would have to be a little bit deeper league to begin with, right? Because, like, in a standard league, you don't want somebody holding, like, 10 guys on the IR. But, you know, if you're in a 14-16 team league, you got a little bit deeper benches. I think unlimited IR is something to think about. Um, I think it'd be interesting to, uh, you know, maybe whoever you play, whatever method you play with, ESPN, Yahoo, fan tracks. I think it'd be interested uh, to have unlimited IR, but you can't pick someone off of free agency who is currently injured. That way, you cannot abuse the system. So maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll call our friends over in fan tracks see if they can implement something like that. So um, our great projections at hashtag basketball.com have Nurkic projected for a whopping 18 games. Um, We know how much people love to end the season early. Um, So if you're ending the season early, right, you're going to be missing out on some of Nurkic's 18 games. And and we've talked about before how I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, So, yeah, 18 games, maybe if your league ends at the, like, right before April starts, you're probably only getting, right, you know, those teams, what, play three, four, five games in April, so you're getting, like, 13 games. I just don't see any way that you draft this guy, like, even holding him for, like, 13 games. They're probably going to be in the playoffs, right? We mentioned that. So they're going to be trying to ramp him up, play him, you know, 10 minutes, play him, 15 minutes, play him 20 minutes, get him ready for the playoffs, not really try to run him 40 minutes and, you know, help your fantasy team. So, yeah, I just don't really see owning Nurkic this year at all. And it was a shame because Nurkic had an amazing season. You mentioned it last year, right? He was uh, really, really good. But, yeah, not this year. Yeah, uh, stay away. Uh, don't draft him. And I I'd highly, I actually even recommend, if you have IR spots, finding somebody else like, I don't know, uh, well, if you're in a keeper league, you know, Kevin Durant makes a lot more sense. 
But uh, th there's other players that you could probably not waste a draft pick on. If those late draft picks are actually sometimes pretty valuable. That's sometimes helps you swing leagues. But that does mean that someone in Portland is going to have to take uh, the bulk of the minutes at center. And they have uh, already had Zach Collins, who I think both of us uh, kind of like from a fantasy perspective, at least I do. Uh, but they ended up picking up both Hassan Whiteside and then later in free agency snagged Paul Gasol. And I think that the, the Paul Gasol pickup makes this interesting because you could theoretically see a world where Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside play together. But now that Paul Gasol's in the, in the mix, uh, the minutes become a little trickier, I think, at Portland for who's going to play the five. Yeah, and I mean, what Paul Gasol are we getting, right? Like, I mean, he's at an advanced age. We saw him kind of break down last year with lots of uh, injuries. So how much can Paul Gasol play at this point? That's kind of a, a big question mark, right? He's 39 years old. Um, you know, I don't really think he takes that many minutes. I just can't see him playing a ton of it. I just can't. Not, not with the way he looked last year. I mean, he played 12 minutes a game, and he was limited to 30 games last season. Yeah, he, um, he did not play a lot. I, I wonder how often they'll go to him. I, I wonder if he'll uh, – because just two years ago, he's playing about 23 minutes in, um, in San Antonio, and I think – Good. I mean, he looked good that year, I thought. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible. Like, he really, he really wasn't terrible at all that year. He was standardly relevant two years ago. And so I wonder if Milwaukee's system uh, really didn't lend to playing time. Uh, they had – uh obviously they had uh brooke lopez jack and threes all over the place which was very exciting and so i can kind of see why paul gasol but you know paul gasol is almost 40 years old and um if he's if he's even if he's playing like 23 24 minutes i don't think he's going to be standard league relevant which means this comes down to a discussion between Hassan whiteside and zach collins a stress fracture in his foot which is why he missed the playoffs yeah. right so that was and he was complaining about his foot hurting and he missed games because his foot hurt um and then he ended up having surgery for a stress fracture in his foot so that was part of why he didn't play a ton of games last year was he had some you know foot injuries but as a 39 year old man running up and down the basketball court like i don't know that that's gonna go away right like even though he got the surgery and it should relatively be fixed like I, I wouldn't be super surprised if that popped back up again. Um, looking at Hassan Whiteside and, and maybe even Zach Collins, right? Like they're both standard league guys. If they get, you know, 25 to 28 minutes, right? Like, I mean, we've seen Hassan Whiteside the last couple of years in 25, 26 minutes be, you know, a top 100 player. And I think Zach Collins kind of can do some similar things. Um, Zach Collins is a little bit hard to figure out for me because I don't see a ton of consistent play. Like I think his play is kind of up and down. So maybe he's more of a streamer ride the hot hand type deal. Cause I mean, I don't see him playing like 30 minutes a game, at least not yet. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people got pretty excited when they saw that, um, you know, let's, let's just say not excited. That's, that's a poor word to use when someone uh, is actually injured. Uh, but I think some fantasy basketball heads out there were very interested in the fact that Nurkic was injured and uh, and Enos Cantor had left. You know, if Enos Cantor would have stayed, everybody 
anybody who's into fantasy basketball knows Enos Cantor in like 28 minutes is, is a nice little uh, asset to have on your team. With both of those guys kind of out of the way for the season, Zach Collins was basically being primed to play 30 minutes a game. And when you look at um, his numbers uh, from last season, you know, in just, you know, 17 and a half minutes, he was uh, six points, four rebounds, and a block a game. And like, all right, that's pretty good. You extrapolate that out, which, as we've talked about before, doesn't always uh, perfectly line up when you extrapolate that out. That's a pretty good blocks guy to have uh, for a guy that most people really probably hadn't even heard of or the, the casual uh, fantasy basketball player probably wouldn't even be focusing on Zach Collins. So that was going to be a sleeper until Hassan Whiteside showed up. And I just think with Hassan Whiteside there, Hassan Whiteside – who also is questionable uh, as someone who's going to play large minutes just in general, uh, is going to take... I, I think Hassan Whiteside is going to play more minutes than Zach Collins next year on, the, on, on Portland. And in limited minutes, Hassan Whiteside, we know for a fact that he's a standard league relevant player. Even last year when he only played 23 minutes a game, he's uh, you know just a great rebounder, uh, blocks a ton of shots, and he's, he's like a better Zach Collins. So um, if I'm drafting any of these bigs in my uh, standard head-to-head draft, I'm looking at Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I mean, Hassan Whiteside should be drafted somewhere in that 70 to 100 range, um, depending on what your team needs and, and all that. Um, I don't think I'd look at him much before pick 70, but from somewhere from 70 to 100, assuming he's going to play you know, 28 minutes maximum, which I mean, I yeah, think they're going to – you're not predicting. Uh, I was gonna say you're not predicting like a 30 minute. Like I think some people are gonna get real. They're like, obviously he's the starting center. He's a Sun Whiteside. 30 minutes a game. He's gonna have like 15, 15 and three blocks. And that's oh, that's no. that's not gonna happen. I'm definitely not predicting that. Um, and Zach Collins, man, it's interesting to me. You know, he got that hype last year, and we saw him be pretty fantasy relevant for a stretch, but he finished the year only averaging 17.6 minutes a game. Like I see some projections like way bumping that number up and I would be pretty scared about that. Like to say Zach Collins plays any more than like 25 minutes a game right now seems like a huge stretch to me. I I completely agree with that. Let's go down to the wings. Um, CJ McCollum, obviously a standard league relevant player, uh, had a couple years ago shot 48% and had himself a top 30 season per game. And if you look at totals, yeah, actually, if you look at totals, he's also very, very durable. Um, just like Dame Lillard, he has been uh, in the top 35 for the last uh, three years before last season, where uh, his shooting percentage was only about 46%. And um, his numbers aren't incredibly, I would say, different than years past. And this is something I've talked about before. CJ McCollum was probably was uh, at, at, in the probably the third tier or at the beginning of that first plateau of where where players kind of start to level out and be all kind of overall worth the same thing and really looking at categories or percentages or stuff that you actually want to build a team around, you know, the, the, the role players on your team. CJ McCollum is someone who is good enough to get himself into uh, out of that plateau into the third tier a handful of years ago when hitting, you know, two and a half threes a game, 
uh, and getting three rebounds, four assists uh, was actually really, really impressive. Well, now everybody hits two three-pointers a game. And you look at just, if you just look at rankings, CJ McCollum went, um, you know, from one of those top 50 players to per game last season, he was uh, ranked 60th in nine cat leagues. And that's, we're talking about a guy who only has 1.5 turnovers a game. So his, his turnovers are very, very good. And I think this is just a case of the NBA shifting towards more CJ McCollum's. And so CJ McCollum really isn't that special of a talent anymore. And I still think he's 27. He's going to be 28 next year. He's or next season. He's going to be just as good as he was last year. I don't see him falling off. Uh, he might even be a tad bit better next season. But CJ McCollum is not someone who should be a top considered one of the top tier players simply because there's quite a few people who score 20 points and hit multiple three-pointers a game. Yeah, but I mean, he, you should be starting to look at him right around that 50 range, right? Like, yeah. he's probably somewhere and should be picked somewhere between 50 and 60, I think. That's kind of a fair spot for him. You mentioned he's durable. He does some good things. The part I don't like and what usually drives me away from C.J. McCollum is, you know, he got you one steal and .4 blocks two seasons ago. Last year it was .8 steals and .4 blocks, like, the 20 points are nice. The, the rebounds are okay. The assists are okay, but not great. There's great three-pointers, but everyone shoots great three-pointers. Now you mentioned that. It's like, I just don't get excited about picking him. And a lot of times in that kind of, you know, 40, 50, 60 range, I find somebody I like a little bit more. Um, but I still think that's where he should go. Yeah, I feel like if I saw someone take him in, like, the bottom of the fourth round, I would be maybe like, ugh, feels, feels a little early. And if I saw him in the fifth round, I'd be like, all right, uh, CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum. You know, that's that's perfectly fine. He's That's uh, good points in the fifth round. But, uh, you know, you look at other players who do um, similar, if if not better, uh, things than him. That's kind of the same mold. Um, you got Buddy Heald. I'd rather have Buddy Heald. Uh, Eric Bledsoe doesn't shoot as, hit as many threes and doesn't score as much, but he's kind of, you know, the steals help make up for that. So, you uh, you know, uh, let's see who else is down here. Um, Zach Levine? I, I think I would actually take C.J. McCollum over Zach Levine. But similar similar type of player. I think it's crazy as how comparable the stats are between Jamal Murray and C.J. McCollum. Like they average almost the same in every category, except for McCollum gets you like three more points and Murray gets you like an extra assist. I think like if I was looking at a, at a draft list, it was like the sixth round and I saw Jamal Murray and CJ McCollum there. Maybe it's the seventh round. If I saw them both there, I don't think they're, I don't think either one of them will follow the seventh round, but if I saw them in the sixth round, I still think I'm taking Jamal Murray. Like I know what I'm getting from CJ McCollum, but if I'm going to get CJ McCollum out of Jamal Murray, then I might as well take the shot that uh, the upside of Jamal Murray being younger than CJ McCollum is that Jamal Murray takes that extra leap and is a better CJ McCollum next year. So like, there's a lot of guys I just kind of, I like a, a lot better. Like even, I mean, even Zach Levine, I have a, an eye on him as well. He's going to get a lot of usage in that Bulls offense and he gets to the free, th- pro, uh, free throw line uh, a bit more than CJ McCollum does. So you know, depending on, depending on what your build is, I think they're still all kind of sitting in that plateau. 
but uh, you know they're, they're semi interchangeable. But I I like the upside of the younger players versus CJ McCollum, who I think is who he is. And I mean, we talk about that a lot, right? Like, there's you know a lot of ways to draft, and maybe you just need a safe guy who you feel good about playing 75 games, and you need what CJ McCollum gives you. Like, great pick him, but I find that it's the same way for me. A lot of times, like, I don't think the last couple of years I've owned CJ McCollum a ton. It's just like. I always just see a couple guys kind of in that same general range when it's my pick that I'm like, I'd rather have, you know, Buddy Heald or you know, whoever, Jamal Murray, anybody, doesn't matter. Um, I, so I just pass on C.J. McCollum for somebody I like just a little bit better. I think I, I fall into the same trap. Um, let's talk about the only position we haven't talked about on this team. Well, that's not true. I guess we haven't talked about two of the positions. Um, Zach Collins, who will probably play a bit of the four, uh, and then also the three spot. We don't we don't really have a starter at the three right now in Portland. Some people think that Zach Collins is like exclusively a center, um, and for what this is worth, right? Like this isn't always the best gauge either. But Basketball Reference put it last year at fifty four percent of his minutes were at center, and forty six were at power forward. So. He's kind of split the baby between those two positions last year, and I would expect something pretty similar this year. Um, Wharton likes to play a little bit smaller at times, so they might do that too, where they kind of go um, with only kind of one big man. So we'll see how much that happens. Um, but yeah, looking at this wing spot, right? They got Rodney Hood. Is that right? Yep. They got Kent Bazemore. So Mario Hudsonia, and they even got uh, Nasir Little, which I, I believe Nasir Little's getting quite a bit of hype. Out of uh, out of summer camp, out of out of uh, the, some of the, the scrimmages that people have seen him play, so uh, yeah. Well, Nasir Little is a flashy athlete, but not a great basketball player from what I've seen. So I would not be banking on that. Um, I actually think Bazemore will probably be on the fringes of standardly relevant. Um, Bazemore is always kind of an underrated fantasy asset. Um, he can just do a lot of different things, right? And that's what you want. And, you know, Rodney Hood is mostly just a points guy. So if you guess if you need a couple points, like Rodney Hood probably gets you a bucket, but I'm not super excited about him, even if he's getting a lot of minutes. Yeah, out of those guys, I would actually say, like, Bazemore, you've seen him play, you know, 27, 28 minutes in the past in Atlanta. Last year, his, his minutes went down, which is never a good sign. But uh, he was standard league relevant during those periods of time when he's only playing 27 minutes. There are minutes to go around here. If Kent Bazemore is playing 27, 28, maybe even 30 minutes sometimes during the season, depending on what the uh, rotation looks like, if there's injuries, etc. cetera. Um, Bazemore, who is kind of a bigger uh, – I consider him a guard, but he is kind of a bigger guard. Um, he is just kind of like across the board fine. You know, he's going to get you some points, a little rebounds, some threes, some steals. He's not exciting. He's And he's certainly not a good uh, – he doesn't have a good field goal percentage. But I would make him the safe bet here as a like a late round. Like, hey, I need someone who's going to play minutes and get stats because I'm in a deeper league. Like, I'd definitely be – I'd rather take uh, Baysmore than taking a swing on uh, Nasir Little, who you know might not even play more than eight minutes a game this season. Um, and here's what made Baysmore super valuable last year. He only played 24 and a half minutes a game. He averaged 1.3 steals and 0.6 blocks. Like, 
and then he gets you four rebounds and two and a half assists and 12 points. And, you know, it all kind of just makes a, a good pie, right? Like there's a lot of okay ingredients to make a great pie here. Um, but the steals and blocks are what really brings me to the table. And, you know, even if he's unowned, like I feel like I stream him quite a bit because I'm like, hey, man, a steal and a half and half a block a game for somebody I can play at shooting guard or small forward. Like that seems like something I want. Um, cause we talk about this all the time, right? Especially in head to head leagues, like winning those steals and blocks categories, you know, you get two or three guys, you know, that you stream a week that are getting you a steal. Those three steals can easily be the difference in that matchup. Absolutely. And, uh, baseball is one of those guys, one of those guys who sneaks around the, uh, the waiver wires and ends up giving you enough steals to, uh, to stream. So I actually think, you know, if he's going to play, uh, he might be someone you need to roster instead of stream. Uh, someone I would stream, uh, keep in, in only the stream category, and I don't even know how close I have him into my stream category, is Rodney Hood. I'm not, like I said, we're not excited about Rodney Hood. He kind of doesn't really do anything great. Um, oh, okay, but, so his category, right, is points, and I don't think he's going to play or be asked to score that much. Like, yeah, like if, why would they give the ball to Rodney Hood if CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard's on the floor? Who cares? So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty much... I'm forgetting Rodney Hood unless there's some injuries here or something. Like, I mean, if you need a if you need ten to twelve points a game and you're in like some super deep league, I guess you can stream Rodney Hood or you can like own Rodney Hood. But like, he's not gonna. I mean, he averaged less than a steal and a block combined last year, so he's not helping you there. He's gonna get you like a two rebounds and like two assists. Like, okay, he's gonna get you one and a half three pointers. We talk about one and a half three pointers really isn't anything anymore. Yeah, that, so, no one cares. Like one and a half three-pointers is what Wendell Carter Jr. is going to average this year. Who cares? I mean, like, even guys like Hazonia, like, we've never really seen Hazonia get minutes, so I mean, maybe oh. he'll su- surprise us during training camp, but if he's getting consistent minutes here, like, he might be interesting, but again, he's going to be a forward who's going to shoot some bad percentages, so, you know, you got to kind of watch that, but... I mean, those those are two, uh, Mario, and there's two guys on this team that I'm going to keep an eye on. I'm not going to draft them uh, unless something weird happens in preseason, but I'm keeping an eye on Mario Hazonia. I know I, I can't quit. I'm not going to quit Mario Hazonia. Uh, in the near the end of the season, I know that's trash time uh, during the season, but the Knicks, uh, Mario Hazonia was playing actually close to, uh, you know, starters minutes. He was playing basically 26 to 29 minutes a game. And he was streamable. He was streamable in those minutes. He was getting over a steal a game and, you know, uh, double-digit points and some decent rebounds. So, like, Mario Hazonia is only 24. He, his development is not completely over. And, and you there s- is an opportunity on this team for him to possibly play. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. And there's an you, saw you, the story. you saw the story about him, didn't you, that – Basically, he was mad at himself that he didn't sign with Portland last summer because the oh, Knicks, really? I guess, apparently Portland really wanted him, right? And the Knicks offered him a little bit more money on a one-year deal, right? Portland was offering, I believe, a multi-year deal is what he said. Now, don't quote me on that um, because maybe I'm mis- misremembering, right? But, um, you know, the Knicks promised him more money and, and they were going to play him a ton. And then they didn't play him a ton, right, until the end, like you're talking about. And he, uh, yeah, this was like actually made the headlines that he basically regretted not signing with Portland. 
Well, then I'm I'm gonna more than keep an eye on uh, Mario Hazonia. I might consider him in a deeper league. I would definitely draft him then, because I think there's I just think there's minutes to go around here in Portland. So I'm talking about 14 you know plus team uh, team leagues, big leagues. Uh, I don't think in a standard league, 10 team, 12 team draft. I don't think I would take Mario Hazonia. I think there's enough uh, players out there that will end up standardly relevant that you don't need to take a, a swing at Mario Hazonia, who's got questionable minutes. But uh, well, I'm, question, I, I think I'm going to own Mario Hazonia at some point in the season. I think a lot of people. The question will. to me is, is he Al Farouk Aminu's role or is he Mo Harkless's? Because if he's Mo Harkless's, I don't know that I'm that interested. But if he's Al Farouk Aminu's role from the last couple of years, I'm a little more interested. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested. Um, Tyler, there's, there's one other player on this team that I can't quit. I think you know who it is. Do it, Michael. Uh, Don't do it. Don't do it. One Don't of the greatest. It. One of the greatest of all time. Uh, when you look at per thirty-six, I'm talking about Scalabassier, the the phenom, the twenty-three-year-old phenom, formerly in Sacramento. Change of scenery, maybe some extra minutes for Scalabassier. Um, yeah, I I just don't. He's not going to play, is he? He's not going to play. No, he's just he's not going to play. Not I. I'd be surprised if he did. Um, I've been surprised. He's not going to play in the NBA, but I, I would be surprised if he played. Just want to throw it out there: the final game of the season, Scalabossier dropped twenty nine and fifteen with two steals and a block and two three pointers. It was the final game of the year. So you know, don't 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 do not. He had, he'd literally played uh, like five minutes a game up until that point. But like, are you the, sure you just didn't like invite him to Chicago's park and let him ball out against one you? One. <laughs> me versus Scalabassier, sure and I and I still dropped twenty. So like that was it was an incredible experience for me. Um, if I'm in a super super large deep league. Scalabassier is going to be on my team. I just, I just um, like Scalabassier. So but yeah, well, here, we're, we're talking about we're talking about something that the average player does not care about. And here's the other thing too: that people blow about in those like huge leagues. Like, if you're going to draft, you know, Scalabassier, or you know, name a guy who can't do anything even per thirty six, right? Like, sure, take the shot on Scal, but maybe he gives you one or two good games this whole entire season. Like, people make the mistake of drafting someone like Tony Snell, and Tony Snell's not a great example because he gets a lot of minutes, but, like, a guy who gets 10 minutes a game who produces the permanent stats of Tony Snell when you could have Scalabossier, and, like, well, at least if this guy gets minutes, he's going to give you something, whereas, you know, Tony Snell, even in 30 minutes a game, like, is not a great fantasy contributor. There's a certain point where you're like, I want minutes, or uh, you got to balance minutes and potential in your draft, and especially in those bigger leagues or those deeper leagues, and at some point you got to switch. You know, I think Bazemore is going to get minutes, and Bazemore is a good player. So, like, I'm definitely targeting Bazemore, uh, probably even Rodney Hood over Scalabossier. Uh, but then once it comes down to, you know, if everyone's going to get, like, 10 minutes a game, well, I, I want the guys who potentially could be, you know, if he played 30 minutes, he would give me 29 points. And that's, you know, hey, that's Scalabossier. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. Um and I think that might be it for Portland. I I don't think there's too much swinging here. There's nothing terribly new. Um, I, I think Kent Bazemore gets the biggest bump. Uh, Zach Collins and Kent Bazemore get the biggest bump here from uh, from last year. 
Okay, one last question. One last question. In a Mike only league, it's the Mike special. All twelve people are Mikes. I love Um, I love this thing. How many Portland Trailblazers are going to be drafted in this league? Three. No. Hey, that's it. Twelve team. Yep, twelve team. You might see four. I'd say three. So, and I mean, half. so you, that's the overall. So you got. So you got. Kid Bazemore is probably the obviously, guy who makes it. Right, and that's what I mean. And then you know you got a couple fringy guys there, but I, I'm kind of with you there that maybe Bazemore makes it, maybe he doesn't, depending on the league. But other yeah, than that, I mean, like, if, if there's three guys I, mean, I want on this team, that's it. Yeah, not all of those mics can draft Kobe White, so I think Bazemore will make it. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Uh, there's only um, one Derek Rose and only one Kobe White to go around, so someone's going to have to take baseball. Well, someone could have, like, I don't know, Davis Bertans, Mike. Come on. No one's, none of the mics are going to are, are drafting Bertans. Get, get the hell out of here. Um, all right, I think that's it for Portland. Uh, guys, if you like the show, please rate and review us. We really appreciate you, and we especially appreciate – our uh, Patreon subscribers, you guys have been fantastic. We really, really love you guys. And if you also want to support the show, go check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes, just like the fantasy hillbilly did who subscribed and is now a Patreon. I don't know your real name, fantasy hillbilly. Uh, I, you know what? I'm from a small town in central Illinois. Maybe I know this person. I know a lot of hillbillies. So uh, fancy hillbilly shout I thought out you were the fancy hillbilly i thought you know, i, I thought i was say. i actually secretly am the fancy hillbilly yeah, that was me i subscribe <laughs> to my own patreon uh to help support my own show which actually is not that bad of an idea so if you also want to help out the show go check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes uh, you can find me on twitter at watch the boxes you can find tyler at Tyler P. Watts. We will be doing all 30 teams in over 30 days. We'll be doing a ton of other preseason stuff. So hit us up with feedback of what you want to hear leading into the season. And we will see you next time.